0: Right before I was diagnosed with bipolar 2, before I became fairly suicidal, I was talking to a friend about it, and he says, We're the descendants of the slaves that survived the Middle Passage. That made us strong. You can do this. I think that was meant to be encouraging, but it didn't feel encouraging. It felt like you should be able to manage because you come from ancestors who survived. Why can't you survive? It felt like my friend had put the weight of the black race on me when I couldn't handle the weight of my own life. There's a large stigma around mental health in all communities, and particularly in communities of color and African-American communities. Most people still go to their religious leader before they go to doctors, sometimes because they still don't trust medical establishments. There are all types of mottos in black religious teachings that suggest that mental health challenges are different than any other kind of physical challenges, and we should be able to get over it by ourselves, when no one thinks they'll just get over diabetes or heart disease by themselves. Things like saying, too blessed to be stressed, can even be harmful because you can have blessings and still be sad. We do such a good job of being community for each other and lifting each other up. And if religious leaders were better trained in addressing mental health challenges and talking about self-care, maybe more black people would feel safe talking about it. We could all use a mental health checkup once a year, just like we get a physical checkup once a year. Mental health should be a priority for every individual. It's a part of our overall well-being. And if we don't put our health first, no one else will.
1: Welcome, friends. This is Pastor Brian Hudson. Welcome to another episode of Health and Wellness in Focus, brought to you by the Wellness Connection, Inc., produced by New Covenant Church and Vision Communications. Welcome. On today's program and podcast, we look forward to having a conversation with Beatrice Beverly, who has broad experience in advocating for mental health and serving both youth and adults in doing mental health assessments and offering resources. She's a board chair for the Indianapolis chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Also in this program and podcast, Minister Corey, is going to talk to you and teach us and help us understand black men's mental health. And then finally, at the end of the program, you'll see a video that was produced by Vision Communications and New Covenant Church. It's a video entitled, Why Is There Stigma About Mental Health? A very powerful video. If you're listening on podcasts, jump over to the YouTube channel so you can watch the video as well. It has uh, some information about brain development and how it's important to expose children early on to positive and wholesome experiences so their brain can develop properly. We'd like to ask my co-host, Minister Corey Jones, to talk to you about the mission and work of The Wellness Connection. Hello, thanks for watching,
2: thanks for tuning in. The Wellness org. that's the website. The foundational text, foundational scripture that uh, is true to our heart, that we hold firmly, is in John 10 and 10. It reads, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So here at the wellnessconnectionindy.org, the mission, community wellness. Uh, we want this to be considered a spiritual and public health issue, not just a social issue or concerns. So the wellness connection is a group of ministers, pastors, clergy, specifically pastors. Um, I'm actually the only person on uh, involved with the wellness connection. That's not a pastor. Um, there's an organization of pastors and health, uh, leaders, people who can offer services, uh, to people who are marginalized, who do not have adequate, um, Health and wellness initiatives that they can take advantage of. So the wellness of our community it affects not just our members, but those that live and surround our churches. So the 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 vision for the wellness connection is a more empowered and a more healthy community. Uh, we're taking a spirit, mind, and body approach to address health disparities amongst our congregants and amongst the community. So we will be working hand in hand, co-laboring not only with God, but also with local organizations and hospitals uh, to provide health and wellness education, right? That's that's very important. We need education. Um, We are built off the principles of education advocacy, right? So uh, we're gonna be providing peer support training We sharing is caring, right? We want to bring in professionals to share what it is that they know so we can have a healthier community. Uh, We're going to have health awareness events. We've we've done a ton of events during the pandemic, after the pandemic. And uh, we're going to continue to do events and initiatives to just highlight disparities and see how we can address them so we can all become even more healthier. Also, we're going to have health navigators programs to support you physically, mentally, and behaviorally. So we're going to if you are someone who offers some service that people can benefit, please get in contact with us. But if you are someone who could benefit from services, we're going to make sure that these services are available to you. Every pastor that is a part of the Wellness Connection currently uh, is hosting a hub. The the church will be a health hub where people can come and receive this training, receive information, uh, receive uh, treatment, all types of things. So thank you for joining us and thank you for joining The Connection. This is the health and wellness in focus program and podcast. And we're an extension of the
1: Wellness Connection Incorporated. I'm very pleased to bring to you our first guest. Here on our new podcast, this is our second episode of Health and Wellness in Focus. Our guest is Beatrice Beverly. Beatrice serves as board president for National Alliance on Mental Illness for Greater Indianapolis. She also serves on the Family Board of Directors for the Juvenile Services Division and is a part of their steering committee for Racial Equity Steering Committee. She's a published author a power skills presenter, and motivational speaker. Beatrice is also a certified child mental health worker. Along with her husband, Anthony Beverly, Beatrice is co-founder of Stop the Violence in Annapolis, which specializes in community engagement, empowering youth and families, life skills training, mentorship and coaching to youth and to their families. Beatrice is president and owner of Genesis Solutions, where life skills training, Corporate Training, Habilitation, which is servicing children diagnosed with a mental illness. I invite you to read her full bio in the notes to this program and podcast. It's a great blessing to have here in the studio, really as our first guest on the Health and Wellness in Focus podcast, uh, a friend, a servant, an advocate in our community, I want to welcome uh, to our podcast and program today, Beatrice Beverly. Welcome, Beatrice.
3: Thank you, Pastor Hudson. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you. I've already talked to you about her uh, her work and service in the community, her expertise as an advocate, as a businesswoman, and uh, working with her husband, Anthony Beverly, in helping youth to break through the cycle of violence and find success in life. So all that she's doing and more uh, is making a great difference in our community. In fact, I want to say on behalf of the community, Beatrice, thank you thank for you. your work and service. Thank Somebody you. Somebody should say that. Amen. <laughs> we we thank you for your work and service. Thank you. And 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 Anthony in, in this community, I want to ask first when and why did you become interested in advocating for mental health?
3: When I think about becoming interested, I don't think I was ever interested in it. I think it began out of necessity. It began out of necessity because our son had was going through some symptoms that we had never seen before or even understood. And as we navigated that journey, I began to understand how important it was for me to better understand the mental health space, especially as it pertained to um, mm-hmm. severe mental illnesses. And so... Um, it was never an interest. You know, I would have probably picked something else to be interested in, but it was a necessity. I think when I began to say to myself. And when God said, it is time to now advocate, it was because of all the phone calls that I would receive after going through this journey. And when I began to speak his truth and my truth as pertained to this journey, people were saying, you know, my son, my daughter, my spouse, uh, my wife, my auntie, my grandmother, and the need was out there. And then, understanding the gaps as well as it pertains to access from a healthcare perspective. And even if I step back to my journey, understanding how the church uh, would embrace it, you know, and this was probably what, 10 to 11 years ago when we began down this journey. And so it became very important, very necessary to advocate not only for our family, but to advocate for the other individuals that we serve.
1: Let me ask at that time what was the state of affairs with respect to getting help oh that's a that's now you got all day <laughs> that's sit <that's laughs> here for a
3: minute. um I believe that from our perspective. We would go into an institution, into the hospitals, without having any information. And so we're thinking that they will give us the answers that we need and help educate us along this journey, and that's not what it is. And that's not what it was. Because when our son was diagnosed, he was later in age, so he was considered grown. And so at that point, they wouldn't give you information. And so just understanding where to go without, I mean, and even the part that I have to really be transparent transparent about it is the shame that came with it. You know, the stigma. What are people going to think as we navigate this journey? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just the access from a clinical perspective. It was access and acceptance from a whole social perspective as well Mm -hmm. that we had to
1: consider. How does your advocacy relate to your work with Anthony Beverly, your husband, and with Stop the Violence in Indianapolis? Great question again. Um, We have been doing
3: Stop the Violence in Indianapolis for years, for 14 or more years. And what we was finding in the beginning before we became more um, educated on mental health and mental illness and mental wealth was that, wait a minute, a lot of our kids are getting uh, suspended or expelled based on behaviors, right? And so we were like, wait a minute, something's not adding up here. And so when we be when we begin to better understand what type of information needs to go into five oh four and also IEPs, we are better able to serve the child and the families, and helps them understand what their rights are when their child comes to school.
1: What is an IEP? An IEP, what is that? An
3: IEP is a um, plan that is put in place for a child for a child who needs some accommodations mm-hmm. as pertains to school. Um, a 504 is put in place based on their illness, their disability, okay. and so parents that didn- wasn't aware of that. You know, one of the other things we love to tell parents is that if your child has an IEP, they can't be suspended more than seven times. In a year, and so that's information and helping parents understand and caregivers, excuse me, understand their rights and how to navigate their child's education system mm-hmm. while they're in school. Um, but it even goes, as you know further than even the youth, you know, the parents as well, because a lot of times stress leads to depression. It leads to um, manic depression, anxiety, being anxious, and so helping those caregivers as well understand what those triggers are Mm -hmm. and helping them navigate a journey of, hey, we need a therapist or we may need to go into you know, see a doctor and see what kind of help is out there for Mm -hmm. them. But walking alongside them so that they have someone who has been down that journey, I believe is very important for individuals to come alongside people who have experiences yes.
1: um,
3: because then it feels like they can truly relate.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it fair to say then that many children are misunderstood and, and they're receiving uh, feedback or they're being treated as people who are just acting up for acting up's sake without really looking at mental illness, stress, is that the problem to today?
3: Well, I'm not going to answer that because I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like I can actually, you know, answer yeah, that sure. question. But what I will say is that children act out when they don't have the skills or the words to articulate what is happening. Mm. And as adults, we need to be able to read those nonverbals, look at those trends, or that, that, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The behaviors that constantly happens over and over yes. and determine what is causing that. Mm. So I can't say, you know, if they're misdiagnosed, but I do believe based on the families that we have helped along this journey that, They didn't have someone walking alongside that would advocate and say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We will figure this out together. And so, and that's sometimes what it it takes. Because I know when I think about, you know, my journey with my son, we went into the hospital nine times at Spire. The first time he walked in, he Mm -hmm. said, okay, he walked out. Walk back in the second appointment. It took the knife time where he said, finally, okay. And one of the things I give to people, and I say, be patient. Start from a place of kindness, grace, and understanding, and be patient. Because yeah. it's going to take time. Because for someone diagnosed with an SMI, there's nothing wrong with them. Yes. You know, it's a neurological defect. And from their perspective, they don't think anything's wrong and out of the norm. And so you just really, truly have to be patient and navigate that journey Mm -hmm. uh, with that loved one.
1: Talk about your work with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Am I correct that you are a board chair?
3: I am. I am. I am for National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI Greater Indianapolis. I am the board president, and we do some amazing work there. We have support programs. We have programs. I'm sorry. We have support groups, and then we have programs as well. Mm -hmm. What we were able to do um, with um, a huge shout-out to the Indianapolis Colts was go out and reach communities community a community that was um, uh, marginalized as it pertained to mental health programs and access, and so we were able to change our strategy and say we're going to go out there in the uh, black and brown community and and Hold support groups and hold programs based on what their need was. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing I, you know, say to people: it's not a one size fit all. The cultures are different. Mm-hmm. So what what do they need so that they can navigate this journey? Yes. And so we were able to do that. We do things like skating for self, which is that self care piece. We do youth and caregiver mental health workshop series with the parent caregiver and the child, mm-hmm. so that they know how to communicate when they're not feeling well. Yes. Um, we do um, support groups uh, for people of color as well. We have one that we're very proud of and we're stepping into one for uh, Arabic women and so that support group is is forthcoming.
1: Great. Wow. It is so encouraging uh, to hear from Beatrice and that there's help available. You've seen on the screen while we've been talking there are websites website to NAMI website to Genesis Solutions website to uh, Beatrice Facebook page and i want you to follow those links they're also in the show notes as well and learn more about how you can access the help that you may need now i saw this recently on your facebook page something called the lived experience yes and uh talk about this event
3: yes this is um this is something that has been in the works for over a year and so um the lived experience storytelling event Uh, was the kickoff and introduction to Changing Lives by Supporting Dreams. When we navigated this journey with our son, we noticed that there was a lot of gaps in access. And as we continue to navigate this journey, we see that there's still gaps. And so the Changing Lives by Supporting Dreams Foundation was created uh, by me to say that we will be able to do do direct support to individuals that are diagnosed or undiagnosed with a mental illness that may be going through hardship. And so if there's a therapist that they need and they can't have access because Medicaid won't pay for it or they are going out of their network, we will be able to uh, support that individual. Uh, If there's a situation that happens with that family where it puts them in a hardship that may cause a level of stress uh, or a trigger, we'll be able to support them. And so the lived experience, a storytelling event was the kick off to that foundation, a fundraiser for fundraiser. And so um when I was thinking through what I wanted it to be like, I wanted people to experience what it is like to have schizophrenia. Um And that is what our son is diagnosed with. That is what my son is diagnosed with. He has schizophrenia. And so what I did was ensure that when they came in, we touched all five senses. And so there was an auditory that played for six minutes of the voices. And so it started off real low, and then it got louder. And people were like, what is that? And, you know, when I began to speak, I said, you had six minutes of that. Imagine having 10 years of that. Wow. And that was that powerful piece. We had um the smell. So we had lavender and vanilla because we wanted to make sure that you understand that some of those smells is a trigger can be calming for individuals. I apologize, not triggered, uh, but calming for individuals. The taste, we had a signature drink that touched the taste. The sight was the pictures and the facial expressions, and the touch was the, uh, the um, brain stress ball. So, again, I wanted people to understand that the experience with someone that is diagnosed with a severe mental illness, it's different and so we were able to do that. Um, I told the story of our journey, and then we had a panel discussion that consisted of three other, other individuals that shared their journey and a therapist. One of the young mens um, uh, Robert Webster, we had a, a youth uh, first graduating class from Kip Legacy High School, Alan Wright um, He shared his experience and then we had a young lady from Bosnia who was a survivor of the Bosnia War and she told her experience so it was very empower it was very powerful, and then we took questions based on the audience
1: and on the panel from the panel. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is so significant because, you know, out of sight, out of mind is a problem where yes. we, we think we know something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All we have is a narrative, really. Yes. And experiences like that mm-hmm. put us in touch yes. if, with the real need, with real people. Yes. And, and and give us compassion and empathy that can hopefully that can grow and become where well, it is growing and becoming mm-hmm. a movement, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're more concerned about people mm-hmm. we normally ignore. Mm-hmm. Beatrice, let's talk about... How we characterize people, Mm -hmm. phrases that are used. What are some harmful phrases and actions that really don't help people become better?
3: Yes. You know, um, that's part of the problem. When we think about stigma and removing what we are used to be accustomed to, you know, when we use words like. Oh, they have issues, you know, but we don't describe someone with breast cancer having an issue. Mm-hmm. We say they have breast cancer. Um, when we say that, you know, they have um, uh, they're crazy, you know, that's derogatory, they're not crazy. They have a mental illness that um, they can take medicine for that will help. That it never goes away, and so when we think about the words that we are using, that's adding to that stigma that's adding to that them versus that's them versus me right, and that creates a place of separation, even though we've made all this progress, we still have a long way to go. We have a long way to go uh, you know, I tell people my son has a diagnosis, and his symptoms may be triggered depending on what is happening, so he is not his diagnosis. He has a diagnosis, but he has symptoms that may be triggered based on being on his meds or being off his meds, you know, but we need to really be conscious about the words that we are using because if we don't and we are describing, especially when you think about youth. Mm -hmm. They are already up under this place, this lens of wanting to always fit in. And so if you have a young person that is struggling and they're isolated and they're in their room, they're not going to share that because they're going to think, wait, that's just me. That's that's not what my friends are doing. Mm -hmm. And so we just really need to be selective about the words that we're saying or even using when we're describing someone else because our children hear everything. Mm -hmm. And even from an adult perspective as well.
1: This is so informative, so helpful. Uh, Again, there are web links there on the screen. I want you to follow the link to NAMI, uh, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I want you to follow um, also the link to Beatrice's organization, Genesis Solutions, and also to her Facebook page. (laughs) In other words, keep up with, if you can, keep up with Beverly (laughs) if you can. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for this conversation. We're we're just touching the edges of all these concerns. And I appreciate having someone like Beatrice Beverly uh, in our corner advocating uh, on behalf of those who just need others to help. And we all need help at some level. Mm -hmm. Truth be told, we all need help. Mm -hmm. And I pray that as a result of this information you've received today, your heart will open up much larger not only to get help, but to offer help, be supportive of people like Beatrice Beverly, organizations that are making a difference in our community. Beatrice, let me ask you finally, as we close out this program and podcast again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, thank you for your heart, for your work. Um you want to share anything with our viewers and our listeners as we conclude this program and podcast? Leave you
3: with two things. One, um, the lived experience event was just that. It was an event. So uh, we will be doing what we are terming as uh, lived experience pop, pop-ups pop across the city of Indianapolis. And so we have, uh, look for those dates on our Facebook page and on our um, website. And it will be different speakers who are stepping up to share their journey, because we want to normalize their voice so that they're no longer transparent and they are being seen. And they're seen in a manner that says, you know what, they can be sustainable, they can sustain in life, and they can thrive as well. The other thing I would leave you with is no again, and I said it early, you know, Always extend grace and patience um, when you are navigating this journey with individuals uh, who are diagnosed with this um, this illness that a lot have not asked for. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, God said that they were strong enough to carry that, that cross. And so that's what they're doing. So just be patient and start from a place of kindness and love. So thank you.
1: All right. Thank you, Beatrice. And we look forward now to an upcoming Talk from Minister Corey Jones, Black Men and Mental Health.
2: Thank you, Dr. Hudson. So, today, I want to talk about mental health, more specifically, the mental health of Black men, the Black man. I want to preference this conversation, this segment of the show, by offering some statistics. Okay? So, here we have it, 13.4% of the U.S. population identifies as black or African-American. Okay, so of these, only 16% reported having a mental illness in the past year. That equals 7 million people. That is more people than the populations of large cities like Chicago, Houston, In Philadelphia combined. This is information from thecensus.gov. So here we have it, 7 million people. It sounds like a lot of people, right? Um, It really does, but that is only 16% of people who identify as black or African American. This statistic alone does not account for black men only. Um, and we know that women outnumber men. Um, when we say mental illness or mental disorders, it may seem shameful, even humiliating, right? There is a difference between poor mental health and mental uh, illness or mental disorders. Let's be clear, because when people hear mental disorders, mental challenges, mental health, Uh, They they feel like there's something shameful about it. And I I personally do not believe that there's anything shameful about it. Black people are strong people. Okay, think about this. Black men can have a broken leg. A black man can have a broken leg and someone will ask them, hey, how are you? And, And they'll say, I'm good. I mean, we can be in obvious distress and still try to suppress communicating how we really feel. There's nothing shameful about your personal lived experience. And I'm here. I want to tell everyone that's listening that we have to be honest with ourselves. What do I mean by that? We, we have to, uh, be able to acknowledge our emotions. Okay. Let's normalize and practice actually sharing how we feel. Is it possible to be good all the time? Okay, this is a way that we can try this. The next time that someone asks you, how are you today? Before the typical response of saying, I'm blessed and highly favored, which you are, open up and see where the conversation goes. You may be surprised at the ministry that such a moment can have. Personally, I think... People have stigmatized mental health specifically. Black men have stigmatized mental health, uh, as either you're crazy or you're not listen, mental health challenges include a lot more than, uh, what, uh, naturally comes to mind. According to APA.org mental challenges include anxiety, Uh, anxiety disorders, uh, panic disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, phobias, depressions, bipolar disorders, and even mood disorders. Wow. Who knew that poor mental health could be reflected in your temperament, in your mood. This is very interesting, but where does this reluctancy come from? Why does no one seem to want help? Uh, Dr. Christine Crawford, she is an adult and child psychiatrist. She has written multiple books and different chapters and articles about mental health disparities and socio cultural issues within her industry. What's interesting is that she shared. An important quote, and I find this very interesting. She states, the root of mental health stigma among black people can be traced back to slavery. At that time, it was commonly thought that enslaved people were not sophisticated enough to develop depression, anxiety, or other mental health disorders. Survival tactics can be passed down generationally to aid persons in getting from one point to the next. Still, these lessons teach the collective to do just that, survive. So I want to say that racism causes trauma. And, in, and if you're a black man, it's okay to share that you may have mental challenges or poor mental health as a result of what you've experienced and what you've gone through. We can only correct what we are willing to confront. My pastor and co-host Dr. Hudson shared a few weeks ago in a message, Imago Dei, image of God, that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. And when you're not treated as such due to barriers of entry, lack of education, systemic racism, pandemics, poverty and death, just to name a few, it can and will have impacts on you. This is just the tip of the iceberg, and we will continue to have experts come and share and debunk some of the stigmas around mental health for black men and other marginalized people. But many black or African-American people would prefer someone who is black as a therapist. And I'm sad to report that only 3% of people within that workforce in the U.S. are black. Isn't that astonishing? Only 3% of people who offer uh, therapy are black, only 3%. So that doesn't promise that you'll even get a black man. Um, It could be a black woman and that might be helpful. So as a community, it'll be important to make sure that we are um, open to speaking to people who are not of our race and may not have the same shared lived experience. I'm thankful for the Wellness Connection Indy who exists to help address these health disparities and have these healthy conversations where as faith leaders, we can address the overall wellness of our congregations and our communities. And we need people like you who are watching, who are listening to join the conversation. Let us know what type of things you've been experiencing, what you've noticed in your community, what things might be helpful. In fact, according to uh, the APA, um, it states that if a black man is able to find a treatment that is culturally responsive, that he understands and that embraces the uniqueness of his difference, he is more likely to use that service. Uh, Maybe you need to find uh, a men's group, a men's ministry where you can go share uh, your emotions, find friends to uh, pray with, to fellowship with, um, because God addresses things that are going on with our spirit, with our soul, and with our mind as well. It is important that you join some type of community, some type of body of believers, some type of healthy community where you feel capable of sharing how you feel, you feel comfortable sharing things that you may be going through, different things that you may be experiencing. We need training um, amongst ourselves to be able to identify someone who may be having a mental health crisis. And from some of the information that has been shared on this program, It should be clear that as a result of your lived experience, as a result of the things that you may have experienced, as a result of things that may have happened to your family, generational um, things that may have occurred, it would not surprise me that that might have had some type of impact on your mental status. There are different things that you may be experiencing. There's no shame in talking to someone there's no guilt in seeking help. And we are a population of people who are not taken advantage. We're not represented in that area. So this is why we're having these conversations, because someone may say, well, I would prefer a black therapist and a black person uh, may understand their lived experience a little more better. But what if a black therapist isn't available? Will you still be comfortable in addressing some of the things that are going on in your life? I want to share a, a, a bit of scripture, um, if that's OK. Romans 8 and 28, it states, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God's vision for us is not for us to just be surviving, but God wants us to be thriving. What is that good in your life? Is your good just survival or is your good going to be thriving? So um, it depends on where you preference your good. Um, And you may carry things well. You may um, take your lick and continue to take, but there's no doubt that these things can have an impact on you. So brothers, I want to encourage you. Um, That there is nothing shameful in seeking some type of mental help, some coaching, um, getting around people who can uh, build you up, who can uh, support you. Uh, These are all healthy things that we have to continue to do to be the fathers, be the leaders that God has called us to be, uh, to realize that we are uh, made in the image of God, that God wants us to continue to do great things, that God wants us to help usher in healing to our communities, um, and he wants us to be well. So don't let things that occurred in your past prevent you from going forward, moving forward, talking to someone, getting some help and continue to be a better version of yourself. I wanna offer a local resource as well. Um, Not only will the Wellness Connection be here to uh, take your information, uh, help you navigate and find different organizations that can be helpful. So the state of Indiana provides a Be Well Crisis Helpline. It's available 24 seven. If you or anyone is experiencing stress anxiety, loneliness, or mental health strains, you can simply dial 211. You can enter your zip code and press three. 24-7. there will be a trained counselor there to receive your call just in case you need to talk to someone and it's very urgent. The wellness connection, we are um, here to not only hear your concerns, but to voice your concerns and to find resources for your concerns. So, men, it's time to be healthy, it's time to be whole for our families uh, so God can continue to use us and let's take your mental health serious because mental health matters. So I'm Minister Corey, thank you for joining the conversation today. This is the health and wellness in focus program and podcast. Thanks for joining and listening.
1: been a great program, Corey. What are your thoughts about our program today? Oh, yes. It's been very
2: fruitful. Shout out to Sister Beverly. Wow. Just tons of information.
1: So edifying and refreshing. She's doing a great job. Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. We're going to close out with a video that addresses why stigma is a barrier to mental health. And this video will talk about and show and demonstrate how brain development is a big part of a child's life and that the experiences we offer children lay a foundation uh, for a healthier life mentally. So watch the video here in a moment. And also I want to thank Corey for his outstanding teaching and talk about black men's mental health. So this program and podcast, again, is from the Wellness Connection, produced by New Covenant Church and Vision Communications. I trust you will share the link. Uh, to the YouTube channel, and to the podcast. The podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It is on Audible and Podbean. So please subscribe to the podcast. So when a new uh, podcast goes out, you get notification. It'll come direct to your email and we notify you that a new episode of Health Wellness in Focus is now available. All right. So thanks again for being with us. And we look forward to our next episode of health and wellness in focus. God bless. God bless you.
4: you do if your house was on fire? You'd probably call 911. But what if calling the fire department wasn't cool? What if calling for help wasn't safe? What if calling for help means that you'd get judged? For people with mental health challenges, that's exactly what it's like. And this is because of stigma. We end up having to have secret identities, keeping our pain to ourselves. For mental health, the ignorance has persisted. People used to think that if you had a mental health issue, you were possessed by demons or the devil. So if you were feeling sad and depressed, or experiencing mood swings, or feeling anxious, or having any other mental challenge, it was best to keep it to yourself under lock and key. Because if people found out, you could get shunned from society. How did we learn to treat each other so inhumanely? So in order for anyone to be accepted by society, We all learned how to lie, to say I'm fine, to put up a front, to pretend that we're good even if we're not feeling good. But here's the good news. We don't have to live like we're living in the past anymore. We've learned a lot about psychology, about how the mind works, and we know that there are many factors that can affect someone's mental health. Our mental health is impacted by our environment and by our life experiences. Genetic factors also play a role as well. I want us to be able to call for the help that we need. So that we don't have to deal with the is burning down alone. It's time to finally end the stigma. Because now we know better. And if you feel like your house is on fire, here are some things that you can do. Talk to somebody you trust. And if you're that lucky friend that someone is confiding in, be cool. Know that you're not expected to solve anyone's problems. But allowing that person to be honest helps. I just want to say that help is available. And we don't have to hide anymore. A burning house is a major challenge that humans learn to solve with teamwork. And I know we can do the same with our mental health. It's time to be supportive. It's time to be brave. Let's help each other out.
5: So a healthy brain, you know, directs your actions. It contributes to your moods and it also impacts your ability to think. You know, when we have high blood pressure, or we have angina, we use medications to lower our blood pressure. No one questions that whatsoever, it's not a problem. But when I add a medication to make up for that deficiency of that neurotransmitter so that now my mental health disorder is treated, we think of it differently.
6: A child's experiences during the earliest years of life have a lasting impact on the architecture of the developing brain. Genes provide the basic blueprint, but experiences shape the process that determines whether a child's brain will provide a strong or weak foundation for all future learning, behavior, and health. During this important period of brain development, billions of brain cells called neurons send electrical signals to communicate with each other. These connections form circuits that become the basic foundation of brain architecture. Circuits and connections proliferate at a rapid pace and are reinforced through repeated use. Our experiences and environment dictate which circuits and connections get more use. Connections that are used more grow stronger and more permanent. Meanwhile, connections that are used less fade away through a normal process called pruning. Well-used circuits create lightning-fast pathways for neural signals to travel across regions of the brain. Simple circuits form first, providing a foundation for more complex circuits to build on later. Through this process, neurons form strong circuits and connections for emotions, motor skills, behavioral control, logic, language, and memory during the early critical period of development. With repeated use, these circuits become more efficient and connect to other areas of the brain more rapidly. While they originate in specific areas of the brain, the circuits are interconnected. You can't have one type of skill without the others to support it. Like building a house, everything is connected, and what comes first forms a foundation for all that comes later. It is
5: important to separate mental health fact from fiction. Fiction. A mental illness means you're crazy. Fact. No, it means you have a mental disorder. Using cruel labels such as crazy or psycho only causes pain and discourages people from seeking help. Fiction. People with mental illness can pull themselves out of it. Fact. Mental illness is not caused by personal weakness, nor can it be cured by willpower. Proper treatment is needed. Fiction. People with a mental illness will always be ill. Fact. For some people, mental illness may be a lifelong condition like diabetes. But as with diabetes, proper treatment enables many people with mental illness to live productive lives.
6: We've been
2: saying loud and clear to anyone out there who's hurting, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help, it's a sign of strength.
5: And then it's up to us to show compassion,
3: to reach out, connect, help folks find the hope and the support they need. Together, we can change the story about mental health in America. Together, we can change directions.